top rope thank you so much for joining me ladies and gentlemen and i know it's been uh, a little while since i've done an episode like this where it's not you know fully nfl mode or if i'm not covering a movie that's celebrating its 30th anniversary which by the way i've done two episodes this week covering the nfl and the 90s movies so uh, you can check those out available now on spotify apple Podcasts, all that good stuff uh, cheap plug there I uh, wanted to do this episode today because I am going to review a new movie that I got to see last week called Freaky with Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton. Uh, that'll be coming later up in this episode. But some breaking news before I, I got on here to record this episode, and that's involving Wonder Woman 1984, and I want to start with that. So I've been doing these episodes throughout this pandemic, and it's been a lot of doom and gloom, right? It's been a lot of you know pushbacks and... Uh, schedule changes and pushbacks and schedule changes and pushbacks and schedule changes. And the only major, like, really wide release that we've gotten this year is Tenet. And that, even then, that took a while for it to come out. So basically, at the movie theaters, it's been like a run of a bunch of smaller movies. Uh, some that probably are not well known. Some of them that got, you know, some movie stars in it, but some that you've never heard of before. They're not, they're not put out by the big studios like Universal and Warner Brothers and Paramount and Disney. Um, a lot of changing of the landscape, a lot of evolving, a lot of adapting that we've had to do in this short time while we've been in this pandemic, right? And I'm all about that stuff, right? I'm all about adapting and evolving to the next thing to keep up with the times, right? Because as Brad Pitt says in the movie Moneyball, adapt or die. And, but the thing is, is that now it's, it's, it's coming across my landscape, my line of work, my, bread and butter my 
income, my rent, my bills, that is being affected. Uh, and, and that, of course, you know, Disney started that off with their release of Mulan, right? They, they decided to specifically put that on their streaming platform, a huge Hollywood, you know, big budgeted movie getting put on their platform. Uh, they charged a premium of about $30. Uh, we, we still really don't know the specifics on how that did, but I think it was well enough that Disney's uh, continuing to push towards that uh, avenue. You know, they got the movie Soul, which is the new Pixar movie. Pixar, a huge brand in the Disney market. You know, we've gotten Toy Story and Cars and, you know, Finding Nemo's and The Incredibles. Well, their next feature, Soul, is going to be specifically on Disney+. Plus. Now, they're not going to charge the premium that they did for Mulan, so it's just going to be straight up on that service. And that service is cheap as it is. I believe it's like six ninety nine or something to that effect. It's less than $10. That's all I know. So that's going to be tremendous uh, business for Disney, but also on the downside for theaters, that's like, you know, that's revenue lost for us. So, again, um, I can't help it. Uh, I'm a little bit biased towards the theaters because I work in one. So seeing this uh, this fast approaching, changing landscape happen right before our eyes, and and not even our fault, right? Because the pandemic, like, there's nothing we can do. You know, a lot of the major cities are still shut down, and a lot of the theaters are not still open. I live over here in Texas. We have our theaters open, thank God, but it hasn't been the same since pre the pandemic. Now, as I mentioned before, like the business was heading this way right i was i was starting to get really scared for the smaller scaled movies movies like you know for example the way back with ben affleck uncut gems with adam sandler you know just movies like that i started to worry for not so much the big movies like a top gun or a marvel movie or a star wars i think those movies are going to be fine in the long run those will always have the theatrical experience but for how much longer? I mean, for how much of a window will they have to be on the big screen before they shift to like a streaming platform? Like those windows have shrunk like so much throughout the years. Like I remember, you know, you'd watch a movie like The Dark Knight on the big screen and then that came out like in July of 2008 and you weren't able to get it on home video until December of that year. So that was like five, six months that you have to wait. Now it's like the window just like just shrinks completely. You go back to last year. Uh, Joker with Joaquin Phoenix released in October of 2019 and it was out by like December to buy on home video and to to purchase on a streaming platform like that's just how crazy short the window has uh, how much the gap has closed on that so it was going to be a matter of time that the that it was going to go this way but the pandemic just pushed everything forward so now let's let's turn to what the the big news is of today. Wonder Woman 1984. Now that one has gone through so many schedule changes even before the pandemic. I believe this movie was supposed to be released originally in November of 2019, but they decided to make it a summer release uh here in 2020 it would have been in June, then it got pushed to August, then October, and finally for December 25th on Christmas Day. Um, this is the last movie standing as far as like a huge, like big budgeted, like $200 million plus uh, movie. Now, we had Tenet open, which was one of those movies. But Wonder Woman 1984, you know, I love Christopher Nolan. Wonder Woman 1984 is a much, much bigger movie than Tenet. So this one has higher stakes. So we were wondering, since this was, this was the last movie standing, Christmas Day, we're still a couple of weeks off. What's the fate going to be? Are they going to push it to streaming? Are they going to push it to next summer? You know, what's going to happen? Like us at working at the movie theaters, we're hindering on that movie as our last hope of, of bringing in like maybe not giant amount of business, but business enough to where we'll be, you know, we'll be consistent and we'll be okay. Um, so the news is, and you know, it's good news, bad news as far as like the theaters are concerned. So the good news is that it's going to be released in theaters where they're available, where they're open on December 25th. The bad news for us that work in the theater industry is that it's also going to be available on HBO Max on that very same day. And you're not going to have to pay like a premium or something that Disney did for Mulan. So as of right now, I think HBO Max charges $14.99. I believe that's the price to uh, subscribe. I did a promotion when it started, so I think I pay like only eleven ninety nine or something like that. Uh, I'm not 
too sure how many people took advantage of that. And I think HBO may, may still be offering that to, to new subscribers. And they'll, they'll probably for sure get rid of that once Wonder Woman comes out and they'll want people to pay the $15. That's all you're pretty much, that's all you're going to have to pay to see Wonder Woman as many times as you want. So simultaneously, they're going to be released on the same day. Now, to me, Wonder Woman, and I, I just think all movies in general, are, are meant to be seen on the big screen. And I think this movie is going to attract people to see it on the big screen. Of course, if it's available to you and if you're comfortable going out, we'll, we'll be good on that. This more affects like the nation as far as like your big markets like California and New York. They love this news, right? They're going to get to watch it at home. Um, they don't care about the, the theaters and, and the workers and all that. They just want their content, right? That, I mean, that's the way it looks like on Twitter. Everyone's so against like the theater industry for some reason and them having, you know, being open. Uh, it's a different story here in Texas. You know, I hear from a lot of our customers and guests, like they're so glad. They're so thankful that we're open. You know, they're, they're, they're continuing to come every single week, even if it's for a movie that they wouldn't, you know, drop, you know, nine or ten bucks for. They're doing it just because they support the movie theater experience. And I appreciate hearing that from customers. You know, it, it gives me that light of hope that people still want to come out for movies, even though we don't have the big ones right now. Um, so I'm not afraid for us in terms of Wonder Woman 1984. People are going to come out to see it. This is huge, great news for us. We'll be busy during the Christmas season. Uh, well, specifically from Christmas Day on. And, and the Christmas holiday usually runs longer and the movies have longer legs. So that'll be good for us. But the bad news is that I'm sure there's still a lot of people that are going to choose to watch it at home where HBO Max uh, is available. And I, I believe... Uh, news this week came out that it's going to be on Amazon. I know they're still stretching it to make it available on all these different platforms. Um, I have a Samsung smart TV, so I had the app for that on day one. Um, but for the most part, HBO Max was kind of hard uh, to find as an app. But now that it's going to be pushed to be available on Amazon, and I know they're working still like on Roku and all these other uh, you know different forms where they can have that app and people being able to to download it and and stream it on their televisions. I'm sure HBO Max and Warner uh Media they're going to make a big push to try to get it everywhere uh so that way by the time December 25th comes everybody's going to want to sign up for HBO Max to check out Wonder Woman 1984. Now I have HBO Max. But you damn right I'm going to see this on the big screen. This is a movie like yes, it deserves the big screen. Not just because I have a bias of wanting to see everything on there, but I truly think a movie of this magnitude with this type of story, this type of character, it deserves the biggest screen possible. And if it's on IMAX, I will definitely try to be there either on opening night or for sure opening week I will be there. And if I really like the movie, I'll, I'll watch it again on HBO Max so that way I can give you all a better detailed review on this podcast. So that for sure is going to be coming. So I'm excited about that. But again, also like just sucks for us that it's also going to be available uh, to watch at home when you can come check it out on the big screen with us. I mean, it, you know, whatever's most comfortable for you. But for those of us in the movie theater industry that we're, we're, we're begging for the content. We want, we want that business back. We want it to kind of be like it was before the pandemic. I know it's never going to be like that again, but you know, whatever ray of hope that we can get on that end. You know, I'll take I'll take whatever we can get. I just wish uh, it would have been specifically theaters like the way Tenet was. But, you know, we'll, we'll take what we can get. And uh, the other note on that is that reading the Variety article, it, it's only going to be available on HBO Max for about a month. Now, that could change or whatever, but um, that's actually good for us movie theater people, especially if this movie is really good and it'll have long legs. People like that miss out on that 31 day window, you know, they'll have to come check it out at the movie theater. Now I know this one's going to play for us for a very long time. Like we still have Tenet and that opened back up like in early September and we're now inching towards December. So if that one can have that long of legs, so can uh, Wonder Woman 1984. So there's uh there's a, a little bit of, you know, salt there, you know, grain of salt there for us to, to, to enjoy. So yeah, that that's the big news that comes today. So no more having to worry about that movie. So now we have a goal, December 25th. Let's get ready. Those of you that are going to go out to the theaters, go out and enjoy it. And uh, they're putting all the, the, we've put out the best safety protocols possible. You know, even in my company, we know we test our employees every week for COVID. So there's just even extra safety precautions. So 
Um, if if you're excited about going to a theater and going to see a big studio movie again, I know we had Tenant, but again, no knock on Christopher Nolan. Wonder Woman 1984 is a bigger movie, and this will be huge for us, uh, specifically where I'm at in the country. People are coming out to the theaters. They're just waiting on the content, and here it comes. But it'll be interesting to see how it also affects in terms of like, Maybe maybe people will decide to just stay home and watch it. You know, Christmas Day, you open your gifts, you're with your family, you're all together, you're in pajamas, all this stuff. Hey, what better way, and I'm not trying to sell it for you to say it, to watch it at home, but I'm also a realist. So let's say, like, you're you're at home, you open your gifts, and, you know, you're in pajamas, you're being lazy, you just want to spend together with the family on your couch in the living room. Hey, put on HBO Max, put on Wonder Woman 1984. I think that's going to be a really big option for a lot of people. But hopefully we still got those old school people, those old school families that are like, you know what, let's go check out a movie Christmas Day as a family together um, as a group. So, yeah. Um, this comes on the heels of some other major news. Uh, so we learned that Universal Pictures signed an agreement with AMC Theaters to do a 17-day theatrical release window for their movies. Now, this is not all of them. This only pertains to some. And what that means is like a movie like, let's say, for example, Doolittle. Now, that one had Robert Downey Jr. It, it tanked pretty badly. So what the rule is on this thing is that if a movie doesn't gross $50 million on its opening weekend, is that it'll be considered right away to leave the theaters and go onto a streaming platform on video on demand for like $19, $20. So that's what we're looking at. So that's what would have happened for Doolittle uh, with this new agreement that's been reached with AMC and Universal. Now, AMC is the biggest theater chain in the entire, uh, I don't know if it's world or just in the country. Um, but the other theater chain to, to latch onto that agreement is Cinemark. So again, this is huge. And Universal, you know, they own a lot of the big movies. Fast and Furious franchise, the Jurassic Park franchise. Um those obviously will open to higher than 50 million. So those for sure will have a, at least, at least a five weekend run in the theaters. So that's about a month, you know, and I know there's leeway on that. Not really sure on the specifics, uh, in the contracts, but the variety article, that's what it says. So if a movie opens higher than 50 million, then it does have to have at least 31 days in the movie theaters, which again, it's an adapting world that we're in. Movie theaters are going to have to adapt to this and try to make as much revenue as possible within that span. So uh, who knows if other theater chains are going to go by this. Um, but, um, yeah, that's uh, it's huge. And, and it's, you know, we'll see if other studios end up doing this. Again, this is only for movies that are under the Universal Studios banner. So which is why we're getting uh, the new Crudes movie on Thanksgiving Day. I believe that's part of the Universal family and it's going to get like a short run in the movie theaters and probably about 17 days and then it's going to hit the streaming platforms uh for about a 20 dollar price ticket that you can watch at home same goes for the movie freaky which i'm about to review for you that's also from universal pictures and also why it released during this time and not delayed because it's just going to have a short run and you can watch it at home but i thankfully will always watch these movies on the big screen and um, yeah, I'll, I'll have the review for you actually coming up. So let's take a break. So yeah, a lot of news that I just covered there and finally no more of this, you know, re-releasing, shifting and all that stuff. Who knows? There's talk of a lockdown coming early next year. We'll see what happens, but uh, I'm just thankful we're going to get Wonder Woman 1984 and we all have something to look forward to. So stick around. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. The time will come, Diana. Everything will be different. Citizens of the world, I'm here to change your life. I've never been one for rules. The answer is always more. Wonder Woman 1984, Ready PG-13. Welcome back to the show, and it's time for a new movie review. I feel like I haven't done one of these in forever. I know I did Tenet and Bill and Ted Face the Music, which were, you know, Warner Brothers 
and from United Artists and Orion Pictures. But I don't know. I just found it to me when I was watching Freaky in the theater and seeing the Universal logo come out. I don't know. It just felt like a real movie for the first time in a very long time. I don't know. I just felt like that. And I know we, we've been having like these smaller movies come out. And most people don't notice stuff like this. But when I see the big studio logos, I don't know. That, that just does it for me. Like it makes it feel more real. Does that make me a more mainstream like hipster? I don't know. But I just felt like that when I was watching this and uh, just had a good feeling in my stomach. I don't know. Weird, but it's just the way I felt. Anyways, um, been watching a lot of horror movies in the theaters uh, more than any other year than I can remember. And I've been open to it, you know, broadening my horizons. Usually when it comes to horror movies, I'm such a scaredy cat, not in terms of what the content is. I, I, I just hate the jump scares part of it. That's the part that gives me a lot of bad anxiety when I'm in a theater. If I'm with a group of people, like a huge group of people, uh, I do a lot better and I'm more open to it, which I've been able to do this year. You know, I've had the the opportunity to go see movies with with friends that that love these movies, these types of movies. So you know, it's been easier for me to sit through. And I've seen a couple of them throughout this summer. You know, I, I think I've covered a couple of them. You know, The Relic, The Wretched. Uh, Come Play, which came out like at the end of October. Again, these movies um, are were not like the biggest of movies in terms of like coming out from a big studio. Like I believe uh, Come Play was from Focus Features. I think if I'm you know if I read that correctly, you know smaller studio, um, still got some well known actors, but for the most part, it's not like this movie wasn't going to open to like thirty million even you know without the pandemic. You know, just smaller scaled movies, but still horror movies. Uh, and most of them have been, have been pretty good. I've enjoyed them. But then there's been, like, really bad ones, like The Wretched. Uh, it was That one was bad in a good way where I could laugh at it and, and enjoy it and poke fun. But then there was, like, The Empty Man, which was, like, a two-and-a-half-hour bore fest. And first of all, A, your movies should never be that long, specifically in that genre. Keep it down to an hour and 45. I've mentioned this on my spinoff show. Uh, when I cover Child's Play 2, which you can listen to now. Again, another cheap plug. Um, keep your horror movies short and to the point. Um, yeah, they don't need to be overblown and long because you can just kill it. So here comes Freaky, right? And this one is more, um, at least from the trailer, right, before I get into my movie review. This was more looking like a horror comedy, right? The body double, the switch, which we've seen done multiple times in movies the freaky fry freaky friday movies have been done forever there's a couple of movies from the 80s if you remember those like uh what was it vice versa or like father like son you go back to kirk cameron and uh, dudley moore just these classic 80s body swap movies you know we've seen it before so nothing new on that genre now where it becomes creative is where you can bring in other genres into it. And that's what Freaky does. It brings the the horror element to it. So the story is, is a serial killer, like this mass psycho serial killer played by Vince Vaughn in a very, like, pretty scary role. Um, at least, like, in the first part of the chunk of the movie, he plays, like, uh, a guy with, like, a girl trapped in his body. So he's got to play that comedically. That's where the comedy part comes into it. But, but like the first 15 minutes or at least first 10, 15 minutes of the movie is a giant intro to, to what his character is and how a maniacal, just psycho killer he is. And, you know, there's rumblings about him. He's called the, the Blissfield Butcher. That's what he's called in the movie. Um, so he's real scary in that end. And, and you're thinking, right? Straight up horror movie. But what if we do the, uh, body swap? And of course, this comes into play with like a weapon and it's got these like magical powers. So Vince Vaughn comes into the it comes into play with uh, a teenage girl played by Catherine Newton, uh, who if you've seen the movie Blockers, she was excellent in, and this girl's gonna be like the next star. Um, she's got huge potential, uh, just like um, what's her name, the girl from the Happy Death Day movies, which it has the same director. So it's Christopher uh, Landon who directed this movie, who also directed the Happy Death Day movies, who's done like a very meta type horror movie so he knows what he's doing he's got kind of like the genre down he wrote a couple of the paranormal activity movies and uh 
a couple of other movies that I want to dive into because um, he just looks like that type of director that's going to gain that kind of momentum and, and just knows what he's doing. So he brings the body swap formula to it to make it comedic, which Happy Death Day also brought in the, the comedic formula. So Catherine Newton's great uh, as a girl named Millie. You know, just kind of like this. I don't want to say she's a geeky girl, but more like outsider, very quiet, shy, you know, trying to – friends are trying to get her to break out, you know, make her feel like, you know – they know that she's more than what she's like letting out to be, but she's also dealing with like personal trauma, which the film does a really good job of doing on that. I won't spoil what it is that she's going through in that movie, but it's kind of emotional. So, you know, it has all these elements. And, um, so Landon does a really good job of bringing in horror, bringing in, you know, emotional, uh, family, you know, drama to it and also the comedic elements. So, Again, as I mentioned, there's like a, this magical like knife thing that Vince Vaughn's character, the Blissfield Butcher, comes uh, into contact with, and he has a run-in with Kat- Catherine Newton's character, Millie, and they have this chase down at, at the high school football uh, field. Uh, you know, uh, at the end of the night after the game's over, so it's just her. So she's having this chase down, and they have this fight, and Vince Vaughn ends up stabbing her with that knife but it has like some magical power some form i don't know he robbed it from some house and again that that all ties into the beginning part of the movie where they're introducing the vince vaughn character so anyways this sword this knife comes from a very long time ago and whatever it's got all these powers that's all you need to know is that it's magical so when he stabs her somehow the thing gives powers and it ends up stabbing him as well and they end up gender swapping, right? So Vince Vaughn is now, uh, the Millie character is now in the Vince Vaughn, uh, body. And the Millie character is in the Vince Vaughn body. So there you go. And then the movie goes off and, and, and Vince Vaughn does a tremendous job of, of, of recreating like what it's like to be a teenage girl in terms of like how she's reacting to stuff. Uh, how she, he even does like this walk like that, that a girl would do. Or at least in terms of what he thinks, how a girl would walk or run or whatever. And it's super hilarious. And it makes the movie work so much. Where the movie kind of like distracts a little is the supporting characters, which were mainly the friends of the Millie character. Like they were so like done to death as far as like, okay, like we're trying to do the anti-stereotyping, but still kind of doing stereotyping. I don't know. I found that to be kind of annoying. The movie's really carried by Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton in their performances. And even Newton's good as the, you know, cause she's, she has to play the Vince Vaughn character. So she's good as this very maniacal, very threatening person, which she is throughout most of this movie. And, you know, you know, she gets a little bit more sexy and more dressed up and makes her, you know, kind of sexy as the sexy killer or whatever. But, you know, they don't overdo it. It's just enough where she's more, she's more threatening than the sexy thing. For us, like, if this were like, I don't know, the 90s or the early 2000s, they would play up more of the sex uh, in it. But, uh, you know, we're in a new age now. You know, we want to try to make things more equal. They do a, a completely great job of this. And, again, the movie works specifically because of Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton's performances. And, you know, it's your typical horror slasher type film. Again, but you add in the elements of comedy, so it lightens it all up. I uh, had a couple of guests that left earlier this movie. They thought it was too violent, which it is. It's pretty gory, uh, at least, you know, in terms of, like, what you usually see on screen. I'm like, okay, this could this could be, like, whatever. And then it gets, like, super, like, detailed in the violence. I'm like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. But it's pretty pretty cool to that effect, you know, because you haven't seen violence like that in, in a while, at least in my terms, because I, you know, hardly ever see these movies. So, I don't know. It worked for me, the violence. And people came out and like, oh, that's too violent and scary. And I tried to tell them, like, oh, yeah, but there's, you know, also elements of comedy. Like, it's not all, like, scary and, you know, threatening. Like, it's really lighthearted and emotional as well. But they weren't sold on it. But, you know, again, it's not going to be for everybody. But I enjoyed it a lot. And I can't wait to see what this director does next. And, I, again, hopefully this does – uh it, it gets some good goodwill for Vince Vaughn. Get him back up there. I know he's done more smaller stuff in the last couple of years. But remember when Vince Vaughn was, like, huge in, like, 2005 – or around the old school, like Wedding Crashers era, like he was just huge, a huge star. So it was nice to see him come back 
to a movie like this. I know he's done more darker roles, and and again, this is a dark role that he's playing. But for the most part, he's playing the part with a with a a teenage girl trapped in his body, so he has to play that off. Which is and, and you have to get a really good comedic actor to 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 play the chops of that, but also like be menacing in the physical form. So Vince Vaughn, I think, was a good casting choice for this. And then, of course, you want to make new stars. Catherine Newton's your next big star. She was great in Blockers, and she was great in this as well. So uh, I recommend it. It's a thumbs up for me if I were to rate it. It's a it's a three out of four. You know, most of the movies I see, and if I enjoy them, they're mostly threes. You know, they have to be really, really outstanding. It's outstanding to be a three and a half to four stars, and they have to be really bad to get, like, a one or a two star for me. So three is always going to be, like, the most part, what you're going to get from me as far as like when I enjoy movies, three is not bad. And the people say, you rate movies like three is a lot. It's like, okay, that's fine. Like that's, that's a good movie. Like that's, that's a thumbs up. It's a recommendation. So I do, uh, do recommend that. Again, it's only going to be out for theaters for like another week or two, I believe, before it hits streaming platforms. So if you're not comfortable yet going out to a movie theater, I highly suggest when it does hit PVOD, that you buy it it's 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 worth it it's a it's a good date movie it's a it's a fun movie it's just a good movie overall uh, if you want to have an you want to be entertained for about an hour and a half to hour 45 i think that's what it is it's not really that um that long yeah an hour and 42 minutes perfect doesn't need to be two and a half hours like the freaking empty man which i one of the worst movies i've ever seen probably the worst movie of the year for me um and I and I hate to keep harping on that again. Shout out Johnny B, one star uh, for the Empty Man. But that is freaky, folks. And I liked it a lot. Vince Vaughn's back. Catherine Newton's a big star on the horizon. Hopefully, I want to see what she does next. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Let's take one more break. When we come back, tell you about a new TV show that I'm watching on FX. FX Hulu. They're all combined now. I don't know. It's weird. Disney just owning everything. And then I'll preview the final farewell to The Undertaker for this Sunday at the Survivor Series. So stick around. This is Palace Off the Top Rope. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show, and we are in the middle of November now, so usually we're full speed ahead on all of our television shows coming back onto the air, right? But since we're in this pandemic, a lot of stuff has been delayed. Same thing for, like, movies, right? Everything's been shifted. Uh, also, just, like, filming schedules have been shifted as well. Just everything has been thrown for a loop. So a lot of shows are having their premieres right, right about now. So a couple of my favorites are back on the air. This is us uh, currently right now. Uh, aired a couple episodes. They'll be back in January. They've incorporated the COVID, uh, you know, situation into the storyline, which, I mean, I understand them doing it, but also, like, kind of don't like it as well because, you know, we deal with it enough already in the real world. Like, do, we, do I really want to see it in my entertainment now you could say, well, these stories are taking place like in the actual like world we live in. But yeah, but in Hollywood, you can make it seem like none of this stuff is actually going on. You can make it your own world while still making it, you know, authentic. You know what I mean? I just like, I don't know. The day I see like COVID in a Batman movie, it's going to be like, oh man, like really? Like you can make that world without it, even if you're trying to ground it and make it as authentic as possible. Um, a million little things is coming back this Thursday. I'm excited about that. Um, other stuff that we're going to just have to wait on. Uh, like for me, the final season of Last Man Standing, I believe, is going to start like in December. So again, everything pushed back, and some stuff that's coming out of nowhere that I just had no idea 
even existed as a television show. And I only know about this because it's been promoted on, on Twitter and social media. I've seen ads for it. I'm like, hmm, it's got a good actress. I want to check it out. Um, the show I'm talking about, and I teased before the break, uh, was a new show on Hulu, which is combined now with FX. Uh, it's weird how Disney just owns everything now. So you have the FX channel, right, which, you know, you've had your classics like Sons of Anarchy, Nip Tuck, you know, American Horror Story. And that channel still exists, and you still have those type of shows on there. But now there's a thing called FX on Hulu where they'll have specific shows from FX that debut just on the Hulu platform along with all the other stuff that you see on the FX channel on there. I know that's a lot of explaining, but that's just the way the world is now. I mean, eventually I think it's all just going to be under one brand. So anyways, so you have this FX on Hulu. So you have like specific shows that are created for the platform that you can only see uh, on uh, on the app. And that, that show is called A Teacher, uh, starring Kate Mara and Nick Robinson, young actor. You've seen him in Jurassic World and Love, Simon. And Kate Mara has been around for a while now. I like her. She's a fine actress. Um, I wish she would do more. You know, I think she's capable. She's got that type of talent. And we're starting to show – she's starting to showcase it here. Like, you see it a lot because she really gets to shine uh, as this character. Now, the material is a little bit touchy. It's a little bit controversial, you would say. But, again, it's just a piece of entertainment. So go kick rocks if you're like, oh, how can you enjoy a show that's about that? It, it's entertainment. And, and don't blame me. Blame the people at Hollywood that continue to make stories like this. So what the story circles around or centers around is a a teacher in Austin, Texas, and a stu- high school student. I believe he's like a, he has to be a senior because he's getting ready for college. And they engage in an uh, – teacher student relationship which ends up becoming like physical yes it's a touchy subject it's bad all around in terms of like real world like news like if this happens in the real world it's ugly should never happen you know it's just bad 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 we all know that if you know the moral line that's that's good 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 like you know that going in that's fine but you know, I'm enjoying the show based on the performances that are given by the actors and what they're doing. Not mainly because, yeah, like I'm enjoying it because it's a it's a teacher and a student getting it on. Like, calm yourselves. Like, no, that's not why I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah, no, it, it's just a, it's a fascinating look. It's based on a movie of the same name. It's directed by a woman, written by a woman. So, uh, I'd love to see their take on it. Maybe I'll go back and check out the movie. It's on Amazon Prime, I believe. Uh, just to see how it parallels with the television show. Uh, this is being released weekly. I don't know how many episodes they're going to do, but the first three have dropped already. I think the fourth one is available now. Probably watch that later tonight. Um, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's good. I liked it. Um, and I'm going to continue to watch to see what happens in the story because it's not just about the, um, you know, the bad things that they're doing. I, I, it's, it's also about the story that's going on around them and the people that are affected by it. You know, there's a lot of avenues that you can go with, with something like this. It's not just about the act itself and, and it being wrong. Of course, like we all know that, but again, it's just entertainment. It's not real. It's fiction, but there are real cases of stuff like this that has happened. And it's fucking awful, awful. Don't, con- don't condone it at all. But again, I, I don't want people to like shit on people that, like the show for what it is it's a show it's entertainment you know you go watch a saw movie and you see people getting tortured to death and violence doesn't mean you condone that stuff it's, it's just a form of entertainment i used to, i listen to eminem you know that rapper he used to rap about a bunch of bad shit not so much anymore because it, everyone's woke now if you were to do that now he'd get like you know whatever but he used to rap about a lot of bad stuff you know and it doesn't mean that you're into that. So you're just into the guy. Like, you're into the, the, the persona. Like, it's funny. It's hilarious. Most of the time, he's just being a goof. And I remember one time somebody's like, oh, can you listen to that? Like, you're you're a bad Christian or whatever. And it's like, really? Like, I mean, I, I don't live my life like that guy. I don't live, like, the stuff that he says in his songs. Like, I don't do anything. I just listen. It's just entertainment. It's pop culture. It's part of our lives. You know, don't. Not everything has to be woke and you don't got to judge everybody on, you know, the content that they watch or, or listen to or whatever. It's just entertainment. That's all this show is for me. It's entertainment. It's not because I'm like, yeah, I'm getting off on the subject matter. Like, no, absolutely not. So wanted to tell you about that new show that I'm into. I like it a lot. If you're, if you're interested, check it out. It's on Hulu, FX on Hulu, however you want to call it. 
Kay Mara's in it. She's good. Nick Robinson's in it. He's good. Um, again, it's set in Texas, Austin, Texas. So, you know, that just gets me even more interested. There was a cheap plug for Whataburger. So that gets a thumbs up immediately right away for me. So, yeah, it's fun entertainment. It's just something for us to watch while we're all dealing with this pandemic. And I know it's a weird subject matter, but get over yourself. It's entertainment. Um, Let's shift over to wrestling, right? This is called Palace Off the Top Rope, right? Where's all the wrestling, Palace? Why aren't you talking about it? Uh, to be honest, it, it's hard to be a wrestling fan these days. Uh, a lot of it has really just been so lackluster. Specifically, you know, of course, WWE has been lackluster for a lot of years. There's some bright spots, of course. But for the most part, as an overall product, it's very lackluster. Even AEW, I'm enjoying it. But even then, is it enough to hook me? to talk about it every week no like i'll chime in here and there on twitter to see what's going on i'll watch it on my dvr i have it set up but you know i'll fast forward through a lot of stuff and watch only like the main stuff that i want to pay attention to you know the survivor series is this sunday one of the big four pay-per-views of wwe that's been a, a staple for a very very long time dating back to the 80s and i'm not even excited for that you know that's just how lackluster it's been how bad the the storylines have been but there is one interesting factor that they're playing up this year for the survivor series and that's the final farewell of the undertaker which he debuted at this event 30 years ago this sunday so they're going to mark that as the final end of the undertaker where he says goodbye now they're playing it as the final farewell but i know wwe like this has to be the start of some angle and yes it could be the final farewell but i mean the beginning of the final farewell you know what i mean like it's a starting point i think the end point will actually be like at wrestlemania whatever they do next year i think the undertaker's probably going to get involved in an angle here i don't think it's going to be a straight up goodbye they're going to play it up as much as they can for that but you know with wrestling it's never say never and it's hard for people to go away uh you know without coming back in some form Ric Flair did it. I thought Shawn Michaels was going to be the only one to not come back. And he ended up coming back out of retirement, I believe, nine years later to do a match. So it's like, can I trust fully that this is the end for The Undertaker? No, because history tells me that's not how it plays out. Could it very well be? Yeah, it could. And that'd be great. It's long overdue. This guy should have retired a very, very long time ago. Um, And this year at WrestleMania, he had the standout match the the boneyard match with aj styles so he he went out on a good note like he had a good match it was a cinematic it was edited it was more theatrical it wasn't an actual like wrestling match in a ring but he can't really do that anymore so that was a good way to go out so now they're doing this final farewell and it's fitting because that's where he debuted but there's just something inside of me that just feels like this is going to be the start of one final angle that'll end at WrestleMania. I just, I feel it in my bones. And that's the only reason I'm interested in watching this. All the other matches are kind of like, what, they're just whatever, they're there. No real like stakes or real build towards it. Like, they're, of course, they're building it as Raw versus SmackDown. But who really gives a shit anymore? Because these people jump on every other show, every other week. The roster's so thin. To the point where, like, I don't even know why there's a, a brand split anymore. You got AEW that's starting to rise and rise and rise. And they're doing so many good things. And their ratings are spectacular. WWE should just merge everybody and just have two giant shows every week of Raw and SmackDown. Where you have all these different fresh matchups and all these different wrestlers. Like, your roster is so thin. Like, just combine and get it over with. I don't get it. It makes It makes no sense. And not only that. Is that for the last couple of years, especially like reading behind the scenes more and getting subscribed to like the Wrestling Observer, uh, you know, you find out a lot of bad shit that just WWE does behind the scenes. And I've known this for a very long time. I know like the way they, the way they treat their employees is so unfair and the way that they, you know, just with every little thing, like they, they, they try to micromanage them on everything. And this really started like a few years ago when CM Punk, went on a podcast and he detailed everything that happened to him in the final years of of his time there and how just the way they just shit on people and don't care about you and they just you're just a 
you know, a spoke on the wheel. You know, Steve Austin's mentioned this. Like nobody's bigger than that brand. Like you're, you're, they're just somebody that they use to make money on that wheel. And once you're done, like they just switch you out with somebody else and the machine keeps rolling. And you know, this past week they released, uh, WWE superstar Selena Vega, who I believe was, has been one of the standouts of, uh, of WWE on the female side of things. You know, she's, she's a manager or she was a manager. She can talk very well and was getting better in the ring week by week and starting to be more of a wrestler. And they released her like the, I had a buddy. It was Ryder actually, who's been on this show, who sent me, you know, a note that they had released her. I'm like, what the hell is this about? And I know she was one of the prominent ones that has like a Twitch stream. And a lot of the wrestlers do have that. And that's something that WWE was trying to put a stop to because it's, you know, them making money off of off of their likeness and the names that they own. Which, I mean, I get it on WWE's end, but also, like, come on. We're in a pandemic. You guys aren't traveling. You are doing house shows. How else are they support, supposed to get income? You know, they got mouths to feed. They got bills to pay. And, you know, these guys are supposed to be considered independent contractors, but yet they don't have, like, insurance and all that stuff. So it's like... Man, these wrestlers that work for Vince McMahon like just really have a rough go right now. And the WWE, the weird thing of it all is that WWE is in a year where they're making like record profits because of the TV deals that they made with Fox and, and the USA Network. Like so, like WWE set for at least like the next five years. Like they don't have to worry about that. And they've been laying off people left and right, you know. And you look at other companies like AEW, like they keep hiring people and yet they're not a company that's fully like developed yet in terms of like making a profit. Like I'm sure they are, but not to the degree that WWE, the machine that's been around forever has generated. Like they're still an up and coming and yet they have yet to fire anybody, you know? So I just find that very odd, very weird. I don't know. There's just a lot of bad stuff going on with WWE right now and the way they've tried to control the wrestlers and not letting them generate any other source of income and man it's just it's just awful stuff and it's getting really really harder and harder to justify staying a wwe fan i put that on social media earlier this week i watch it still because i support the wrestlers but even then like the show is just it's horribly written and it's nowhere near the caliber of what it used to be you know, you watch something like AEW where they're actually trying and they're making stuff make sense. Like, that makes it a more watchable product. With WWE, it's like it's – you don't know what you're getting week from week. Like, there's some stuff that they pay attention to. Like, like you know, the Roman Reigns stuff is fantastic. You know, the Alexa Bliss Fiend stuff is kind of interesting that they've been building on. But other than that, with everything else, we get repetitive matches, storylines that start and then end abruptly – Stuff they 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 mention one week and then completely forget about the next week. Like they introduced something very different earlier this year called Raw Underground, where it was like MMA style fighting, and they were doing that for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden it just disappeared and they didn't do it anymore. And like there's no mention of it or nothing. So it's like how how am I as a fan? How am I supposed to care about any of this stuff when you just you just drop stuff left and right, and then the people that you know, you want to root behind and the people, the wrestlers that you get behind, like they bury them like nothing. You know, you look at guys like Alistair Black, who was on the upcoming and now he's just like, where is he? You know, he's married to Selena Vega. So who knows what's going to happen to him? And just like, man. And then like, where are the stars also like, you know, I, it would have been interesting had uh, Becky Lynch not gotten pregnant and, you know, kudos to her wanting to start her life as a, as a mother. Good for her. Awesome. You know, she did that for herself. She left on her own terms. Great. But what would this have this pandemic have been like with all these shows that they've been doing in the Performance Center and now the Thunderdome and the Amway Center in Orlando? How would that have been with, with a star like Becky Lynch who could talk on the mic, who could get storylines over, even if they were like shit opponents that she was dealing with? She could get uh, storylines over. How was that going to play out? How would she have done in this environment? Would it have made it more watchable? Probably more entertaining. Maybe maybe by a factor of five, she would have made it a little better. But that's better than a zero, which it currently is right now. So, I don't know. It's just WWE's, it's flailing and it's flailing fast. I'm going to be interested to see where this company is in five years. You know, their audience has been dwindling. 
And it's not just because of the pandemic. And I'm sure Vince McMahon is looking at this like, ah, oh, it's just a pandemic where we, that's why we don't have the ratings. But you know, AEW is able to gain in viewers each week, gain in the demos. Why can't WWE do the same? Yes, they may be getting the higher numbers now because they're on a better network that's, you know, available more around the world like Fox. But what are they going to do once that contract is up in five years? You know, are they going to still be on there? Will Fox want to renew? And even and if they don't, who's going to want to pick them up? Yeah, they could easily go back to the USA Network, but, you know, it's going to just be the same old, same old. I don't know. Wrestling is just very, at a very interesting point right now. And I really want AEW to turn that tide. Like, they're almost there. I can only imagine. These shows that they put on, like, they've been pretty good. I can only imagine how they'd be in front of a crowd. Like, they'd just be going bonkers. You know, you're seeing, like, Attitude Era type, like, you know, storylines. Where there's multiple stuff going on. Like, different stuff that you can get into. In WWE, it's, like, hit or miss. And it's not good. It's just not a very good product right now. And I apologize to those that are looking for the wrestling content. But, damn. You know, Survivor Series is this Sunday. And it's just there. It's a show. I'm sure I'll get pumped again once the Royal Rumble comes. But even then, like, you know, if they don't put out an interesting enough storyline, what is there to care about? Yeah. So that's that's uh, that's it on the wrestling end. So apologize to those folks but we'll still be covering pop culture football's out there uh, my spinoff series on movies is out there um, and then uh, we'll see what I cook up for for the for the main show here I'm heading I'm heading towards episode 100 of this show so I'm looking forward to that we'll see what I cook up and see maybe I can get a new special guest on there I've had I've appreciated everybody that's come on this show. You know, some have been repetitive guests, and I love the I love to have them on and on. Great, I always welcome anybody. I want to try to bring on somebody new, maybe for the 100th episode, if I can string up something together. But again, on the horizon, Wonder Woman 1984. For those of you looking for that new content, it's coming. And uh, Freaky's out in theaters right now. Check it out, or wait for it on premium video on demand. Um, if your shows are coming back, good for you. Like your Grey's Anatomies, your Walking Dead's, if you're Still into that crap. <laughs> or if you want to check out something new, like FX is a teacher, check it out, FX on Hulu. Um, I recommend it. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. And you can follow this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. Hit that follow button. Um, I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the app. You can listen on your phone. If you're an Apple person, you can download Apple Podcasts. Uh, give me that five-star review. Subscribe. Again, in year two of this show, I'm really trying to gain more traction for it. So if you could rate it, that would be such a help to me. You know, not five stars because you love it. You know, you could, you know, you could just think this show is like whatever. But for my end personally, please rate it five stars so I can, you know, gain some popularity, maybe chart somewhere and maybe make like a top 100 list or something. Who knows? I have goals, but it's nice to dream big. And this is this is my second goal for this show is to try to make it chart somewhere. So if you could help me out on that, I would greatly appreciate it. But that's going to do it. Uh, this is my third episode this week. Again, you can check out the NFL Week 11 preview that I did with Abraham Trevino and Jake Ramirez. Uh, that's available now. And then I did another double feature on my spinoff series, Palace Off the Top Row Presents 90s Films Turn 30. Uh, I tackled Home Alone and Rocky Five, and I brought in Daniel Tucker for that one. So that those are all available now. You can check those out. I would greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good weekend.